Hi there, I'm Lori Hellman, a mom to an incredible young adult son on the autism spectrum. My goal when creating the Living the Sky Life podcast three years ago was that the content of each episode bring hope, connection, and some valuable takeaways to each listener. The Special Needs Parenting Village is large, so you should never feel like you have to travel this journey alone. If you haven't already, please connect with me through my website, Facebook page, or Instagram account. And let's keep the conversation going after each episode airs. If you are enjoying the podcast and are listening on Apple iTunes, please leave a rating and written review and share Living the Sky Life with others. Thanks again for tuning in and subscribing to season three of Living the Sky Life. Thanks for tuning in to Living the Sky Life. On today's episode, I had the opportunity to sit down with a new autism friend of mine um, who is a great reference and has um, a teenage son. Well, actually, he's a young adult son, uh, Skylar's age, a little bit older than Skylar. And she has been a wealth of education for me on adult programming and supportive living services and future planning for our sons that are entering their adult years. So Sylvia Apollo is the mom to 19-year-old young man, Austin, who is severely impacted by autism. She has been married for 26 years to her husband, Ken, and they live in Carlsbad, California. Sylvia was a service director for United Airlines at Washington Dulles International Airport in Northern Virginia when she decided to leave the workforce, start a family, and move back to her home state of California to raise their son. The travel bug has never escaped her, however. Traveling the world and scuba diving are her two favorite hobbies and pastimes. Sylvia's goal for her son's future is that he lead a productive and independent life with a support team in place in his own home. They want him to live his best life and are currently on a path to have supportive living services aid him with that goal. So please enjoy my conversation as we unpack all of those things and much more with Sylvia. So welcome back to another episode of Living the Sky Life. I'm excited to talk to my new friend, uh, Sylvia Abello. Did I say that right? Uh, Abello. <laughs> Abello. Um, we actually got to meet in person um, through another autism mom friend that um, she lives near and um, I developed over the years and we all took a girl's trip. So I was so excited to meet all these amazing autism moms and Sylvia agreed to be on the podcast. So welcome. Thank you, Lori. I appreciate you inviting me to chat on your podcast. This is yes. going to be Yes. Well, when we were in uh, San Diego, which is where you live, um, we were you were telling me all these amazing things about your son, Austin. And so I really think that the listeners will enjoy hearing some of your future planning that you've put into place for Austin. So um, I guess before we get into that, can you introduce Austin to the listeners? Just tell us a little bit about the journey that you've been on with autism. He's 19. So, right. He is Absolutely. 19. Yeah. He so is it's, 19. Been, it's been a while. <laughs> yeah. We've been on this journey for, well, we got his formal diagnosis at three. So the autism journey has been 16 years, but mm-hmm. parenting journey has been 19 years. Yes. Um, Austin is not, like you said, um, Austin is 19. Um, he turned 19 in October of last year. Um, Our journey with him, it was, you know, typical in the infancy years. Um, He hit most of his milestones, his um, infancy milestones, um, pretty much dead on, except for speech and language. Speech and language was um, 
to this day, we don't have much. He's very mm-hmm. he's limited verbally. Um, but like I said, back in back when he was uh, a younger a younger kiddo, um, he was hitting most of his milestones. And it wasn't until my girlfriend Leanne, which I love her so much, um, she was more concerned about it than I was. <laughs> she brought it up to me at 16 months of age and said, Sylvia. Austin really should be babbling by now, and he's not. And so that raised a red flag for her, not for me so much. And I chatted with my mom a little bit, and I was—I've always been a late bloomer, even to date. I'm—I'm I'm a late bloomer, and so it wasn't really a concern of mine at the moment until I took him in for his well baby uh, checkup at 18 months of age, and I told the pediatrician jokingly. I said, my girlfriend, Leanne, is really concerned about my kiddo. He's not, she, she is claiming he should be babbling by now. And so we were fortunate enough to have some amazing pediatricians. Austin was born in Northern Virginia. So we were there at the time and his pediatrician immediately jumped on and said, well, let's start some testing. And so we ended up doing a hearing test and I knew his hearing was, was fine. We, uh, we lived in the um, path, uh, the airport path to Dulles International Airport in Virginia. And so airplanes would fly over our house and he would look up and point. So I knew his hearing was, was fine. Um, right. But we did, we did all the, the proper steps. And at the time when we were living in Northern Virginia, um, I got a wild hair out my booty that I wanted to move back home to California. And so I kind of insisted that we do that. So in the process, we moved back to California um, during the, that testing time. And so, you know, moving is kind of a chore and getting settled out here in California. He didn't get his official diagnosis till he was three. Um, mm-hmm. And it took a while. Um, but I got from his pediatrician out here, it was very different from our pediatricians back in Virginia. Um, he kept saying, oh, he's a boy, don't worry about it. He was a very old school pediatrician, wasn't as proactive as the one in Virginia. And so that kind of took a little bit um, longer to get his diagnosis. And we honestly didn't, I never, autism was just not really in my radar. I just mm-hmm. assumed it was a speech delay and we would handle that speech delay as it came. And so um, we ended Austin actually um, became a client of Harbor Regional Center up in the Torrance area where we were living at the time. And his first official diagnosis was through their psychologist at Harbor Regional. And she, I remember the report saying he had autism-like tendencies, which to me was like- I haven't heard that one before. (laughs) Yeah, and it was like, well, he only has a speech delay. He really didn't have any other, at least- you know, we were obviously we our first child, first time parents. Um, looking back now, huge characteristics of autism. Yeah. If you look, yeah. you know, um, looking back, you know, at nine months old, I remember putting him in a Johnny jumper. I don't know if you remember what we had one. Skyler Did you have one? Yeah. So, yeah, it was all, all over the door frame, yep. and we would put him in. And this kid would start jumping so hard and start swinging that we thought the door frame was just going to come off. Um, <laughs> nine months old. At a year old, he started like lining up his cars. And we thought it was so cute because 
my husband's a software engineer. So, you know, he was like, oh, you know, he's going to be a software engineer just like me. The attention to detail. <laughs> yeah. Red flag number two that we didn't yeah. catch. You know, just little things like that, that as a first time parent, you don't really catch and you don't really put too much emphasis on it because he was meeting all his other, you know, um, infancy milestones. So anyways, that's how kind of our, that's where our journey started. And we lived in the LA area for about a year, year and a half. And I knew I wanted to come home back to San Diego County. So we kind of uh, nudged our way back here. We were living in Northern Virginia. I really pushed my husband and opened up an LA office, which his company did. So then we were able to at least come back to California. And I'm like, well, LA is only two hours away from my family. So that, that's good enough. And once we got to LA, it was like, I don't want to raise Austin in LA. This is just, we were in a bubble and my family was still kind of far away. So I'm like, hey, any chance that the company, the guys would want to open up an office in San Diego? Um, and he's like, well, I'll bring it up. And sure enough, you know, we, we landed in Carlsbad, which is the best of both worlds. I mean, I'm in San Diego County. Um, I'm in North County and it just, it was a blessing in disguise because mm -hmm. we ended up, the house that we bought is in Carlsbad. Um, we have a Carlsbad address, but we fall under the San Marcos Unified School District, which is not Carlsbad Unified. And at the time I thought, oh, well, that's not good, but it, it really was. It worked out really well for us because San Marcos Unified at the time had an autism preschool classroom devoted just for kiddos that are, were diagnosed with autism. And so that's where Austin landed. And like I said, it just, somebody was just really looking out for us because it mm -hmm. was the best of, best of everything. We were back home in California, back in San Diego County, and he was where he needed to be. So that's kind of where our, I guess, educational journey started with Austin was having them in that classroom and being in San Marcos Unified and then just going going up now he's he's 19 and unfortunately he's fortunately and unfortunately he's at, at a non-public school because um so he ended up here in california you can do one or two things your kiddo can do one or two things you can go the diploma track or the certificate track yep i've heard and of that. the certificate track for us here is up to age 22 so he'll age out at 22 and go into an adult um, an adult day program once he graduates at 22. Um, so he's currently at a non-public non-public school uh, doing an adult transition program. That so, yeah, I was going to ask you about, so after the preschool um, autism program, did he remain in like I hate to say isolated, but just like separate classrooms for kids on the spectrum that needed a lot more hand on, you know, hand attention and one-on-one -on -one attention and things like that. Or was he kind of mainstreamed with his peers into the various classes? So after his uh, preschool uh, year, he moved over to our homeschool, which actually had a moderate to severe classroom, um, special needs classroom. Um, and that classroom served all different abilities, mm -hmm. um, not just autism, um, but he was close. He was really close to home. He wasn't that far away. Um, 
that that he was at uh, that particular elementary from kindergarten to fourth grade, um, and we thought he would do fifth grade there. But at the time, so when he did kinder, he had one teacher, and then first grade he had a different teacher. Again, we're still in the moderate to severe special needs um, classroom. And then when that teacher ended up retiring, we got, we were blessed to have an amazing teacher and I'm gonna brag on her. Mrs. Klimas was amazing. Um, Mrs. Klimas was his teacher from second grade um, to fifth grade. We ended up following her. She ended up moving schools for Austin's fifth grade year. And we had the option of either staying in his elementary school with a different teacher or following Mrs. Klimas over to a different school. So we, it was a hard decision because I mean, Austin had been at that school. It was our home school. He was close by, we loved it, um, but we loved Mrs. Klimas as well. Yeah. So it was, it was a very, it was a hard choice, but we opted to go and follow Mrs. Klimas just because um, she was an amazing teacher. She actually, so her, she, she taught moderate to severe um, uh, special needs uh, class um, her husband was a fifth grade teacher on campus as well. So um, she would have, she would actually have students from her classroom join her husband's classroom and vice versa. So they reversed mainstream um, into the classroom. Um, that's so, neat. I like that. Yeah, that's why we loved her. She was amazing. She still is amazing. She's out in Ohio now. We still keep in touch. Um, but we ended up following her to the different elementary school. And, you know, Austin, Austin loved Mrs. Klimas and he really thrived in her classroom. So um, we, that was fifth grade. So middle school, we opted to not send Austin to middle school. I homeschooled him for six months. Oh, God um, bless you. Yeah. And <laughs> I that was, never do that with Skylar. Yeah, well, that was an interesting, it was an interesting time and I, I want to say I was fortunate enough to do it. I didn't have mm -hmm. to work outside the home. Um, I decided once we started a family that I was going to stay home. And so it, it worked out for six months until he actually communicated to us that he missed his friends and he missed riding the bus. And so oh. when he told me that, I was like, and mind you, he's limited verbally too. So that was, that was a huge you know, it, it just tug at my heartstrings thinking, oh my gosh, I thought here, I thought I was doing the best yeah. for him and he misses his friends and he misses the bus. And my, you know, at the time my fear was, well, he's going to get bullied and he'll be made fun of. And I don't know, middle school is a tough time for anybody. Um, you know, but I think especially for our, our kiddos that are limited verbally. And so, mm -hmm. Um, we took the leap and put him, you know, put him back in public school and it, it worked out. I mean, he just, he did well, um, up until he didn't, <laughs> so, <laughs> yep. um, and so, uh, he, middle school was fine up until he got into freshman year of high school. Um, his freshman year of high school, it just wasn't a good fit for him to be in a typical high school, our high school, his home high school has a population of about 3,200 kids. Oh my it's gosh. A, it's a big campus. And he was in a moderate to severe special needs classroom um, on campus. 
Um, but it, it just, like I said, it just wasn't a good fit. Um, we ended up having a lot of behavioral issues that made us really think about placement and his future. And we decided it was a mutual decision between the, the district and, and us to find a different placement for him. They just couldn't meet his needs mm-hmm. at, at, the, at the high school. So we opted to, uh, we ended up touring several, several different schools and ended up going with a non-public school alternative program that was housed at a high school that was outside of our district. Um, and the reason we went with that, it was a behaviorally based program and it had an in-ground swimming pool. <laughs> Austin is a huge water baby loves ocean, jacuzzi, pool, anything with water in it, he is a happy camper. And the fact that they had a pool on campus was like, it just, we just decided that 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 has to be it. And, and it was a great fit again, until it wasn't. Yeah. (laughs) Until the pandemic, until the pandemic hit, um, you know, everybody had to do virtual schooling and it was great for the first three months, but after the first three months of virtual schooling, it just was not obviously not a good fit for our family. When it went back to that homeschooling feeling for him, probably too, he's like, "You did you take me away from my friends?" And yeah, again? we tried, and we have, and we, you know, through our challenges, we always use a social story. We always come up with the social story, and I have to backtrack a little bit because I do want to let let your viewer, or your viewers, your listeners know that I, you know, we do have, we, we are blessed to have an in-home behavioralist um, that works with our son yep. uh, five days a week. Um, and he is our employee, we employ him. Um, and it's been the best thing because Matt came to us pre-pandemic and was with us during the pandemic. And I don't think we would have survived had he not been <laughs> been here with us. Um, so huge kudos to Matt and he's still with us by the way. And did you um, meet Matt? Like when, um, Austin was younger, like, I mean, hasn't he known Austin a, a while in his life? Not just recently. So yeah, no, Matt was Austin's ABA in-home therapist. Okay. So he was his in-home be- uh, behavioralist uh, a year prior to us, um, offering him the position to come, come on board and be with us for 40 hours a week. Mm-hmm. Um, so he knew Austin for a whole year, knew his ins and outs, knew what worked, what didn't. And so, um, he came on board, um, January, 2020. He's been with us full time since. Um, and like I said, he's, he's been a blessing to us because otherwise yeah. <laughs> it would have been really hairy. Well, it still has been, but you know, and I think the pandemic has affected everybody in some, some way, somehow. Of course. Um, Those people, just like his teacher that he had that you followed. I mean, when you find someone that connects with your child, I would move States to to follow them. I mean, that is the bond that you hope for with people like Matt and Mrs. Climbers. And you're just like, where, why can't these people be plentiful? (laughs) Because it's, I know, right. I mean, I know I knock on wood because we have, we have been blessed with some amazing people in his life. Like his elementary school years, um, we had, his OT was amazing. Melissa, if you're listening, shout out to <laughs> Melissa. She was, he went above and beyond. And I still keep in touch with Melissa. You know, you, you find these people come into your life 
you know, for, we cross paths for a reason. Mm -hmm. And those that are, you know, that touch, touch your heart or touch your soul in some way, you, you end up staying in touch with them. And yeah, I'm, I'm fortunate. <laughs> yeah, I'm fortunate enough to still keep in touch with the amazing people that really helped in his formative years. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it, it was, it was a blessing. So um, yeah, uh, Matt, you know, came into our home as his in-home ABA therapist and he's kind of stuck with us now. <laughs> he's, well, he's been with us and um, yeah, he's been, like I said, during the pandemic, it was, it was so needed and um, yeah. Well, so. I, I'm a huge fan of, um, you know, your, your plan about supportive living services and just kind of planning for the future. I know you mentioned that earlier that, you know, just future planning. And now that he's 19 and Indiana is the same as California where 20, age 22, a lot of the services, most of the services end. And we kind of are on our own to figure out, we don't even have day programs of any, you know, <laughs> benefit to Skylar at this point here. Um, so was it, the pandemic when he was kind of removed from his high school that kind of got you thinking about this idea of purchasing a home and doing this route that you're, that I want you to explain to everyone. But um, how did that all come to be? So, you know, I just always assumed that Austin would be with us forever. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was just kind of, you know, early on that was, I really hadn't thought about having him in his own home or, having a support staff for him. I just assumed, you know, we're, we're a pack of three, you know, we're just gonna, we live together. That, that was always the assumption. And um, I have to give huge kudos to Matt, his in-home behavioralist. Um, he kind of opened up my our eyes a little bit and, you know, said, why, why would he, why would you think he would want to live with you forever? <laughs> I know, I say and that I'm like, thing. <laughs> well, I'm like, I, that, that I just assume he would. Why, why wouldn't he? And he's like, well, why would you think that, you know, would you want to live with your parents forever? Yeah. And, you know, he really made me look back and think, yeah, no, I didn't want to live with my parents forever. I wanted the, to get the heck out of there as soon as I could. Mm -hmm. And so he kind of planted that little bug in my ear and said, you know, Austin is an individual that is impacted, you know, severely by autism but what makes you think that he wouldn't want to live on his own or, you know, not with you. Mm -hmm. And so once we started thinking about that, I thought, Oh, you know what, you know, he's got a, he's got a point. And Matt is more of a peer to Austin than, you know, a behavioralist. He's closer in age to Austin than to us. And so when he said that, I thought, you know what, you're, you're absolutely right. Why hadn't I thought about that? I'm thinking I have my mom hat on. I'm well, not, yeah. You know, just I just always assumed that that would be the case. And so when he said that, we we really both Ken and I started really and Ken's my husband. So Ken and I really just started thinking about, OK, well, what is what is the future going to look for for Austin? You know, we've always not only have we always lived together, we always traveled together. We always did everything together as a threesome. You know, it's just our little family of three. And so that really just put a bug in our ear and we just really started mulling it over. And once Matt came into the picture, uh, being here with us a little more, you know, um, than just a regular therapist, he's really part of the family now. Mm -hmm. um, we started traveling without Austin and that was kind of like, whoa, you know, we could do things as a couple 
without Austin, whereas we always did things as, as a threesome. And mm -hmm. so once we started traveling without Austin and we started thinking about future plans and one thing I haven't mentioned is, you know, Austin, when he hit puberty, he started becoming physically aggressive. Uh, he's just, and he's a big guy. He is so big. Yeah, I was going to say. He's, he's a, a big, big boy. So our, our kiddo is, is a young man now, and he's he's 6'2". He's about 285 pounds. So he not only is taller than us, he outweighs us as well. Mm -hmm. And when he gets into a rage, basically, um, it, it, it could become an unsafe situation for, for our family. And so um, we really started thinking about that. You know, we're, we're starting to age, we're getting older. Um, so what is this gonna look like for us when we're 60, 70 years of age? Um, we started thinking about that as well. And Unfortunately, I also have friends that have gone into um, cases where their physically aggressive children have made it a, a an unsafe, not only an unsafe environment, but not for them, but for their families to the point where they had to find emergency placement yeah. um, for their child. And that's something that I just, I I'm, would like to avoid. Yeah, I, I don't want to have to put Austin in a situation where, you know, it's an emergency placement, whether it be because of illness, death, um, unsafe, you know, it's an unsafe environment. Um, so all of that really, those are all factors that we started thinking about. And that's what kind of led us to, to the idea of finding a home for Austin, his forever home, um, and staffing it. And having that not be our, our responsibility, kind of giving it to an agency so that the agency is responsible for employing, you know, the, the staffing, uh, taking care of staff when they call in sick, when they can't make it, when they're vacationing, when an emergency comes up. Um, because I think, you know, I, we kind of figured we're not gonna be around forever. You yep. know, we're age, we're aging, we're going to either get sick, we're going to die at some point. And I don't want to be in a situation where Austin is left having to transition into his own home on, on an emergency basis mm -hmm. or travel, you know, or to transition into a group home on an emergency basis. We want to be active participants in that process. Yep. And so... That's kind of what led us to, to where we are now. Um, so at this point, Austin is a student at a non-public school. He will be there till he's 22. We've already looked at um, adult day programs and there's one in particular that we're already looking at. He's 19 now. Yeah, but, but you have to. 20, <laughs> yeah, you do. And so, you know, with Matt's help, we've kind of, you know, zeroed in on an adult day program that we would like for him to be a participant of once he ages out. But during the process, I also want Austin to advocate for himself. I want him to say, you know, this is what I want to do. This is where I want to live. We want to give Austin the option. So um, we're working on advocacy right now for him. You know, we want him to be able to let him have him let us know what he sees for his future. Um, and have it be a part in it, you know, have it be a, a family decision, not just 
our decision. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, this is his life and we want him to be as independent and as productive as he possibly can. Austin is going to require 24 seven care, um, you know, for the rest of his life. But given that, I still feel like Austin Austin has a lot of potential. Mm -hmm. And I I feel like he can advocate for himself, um, given the choice. How does he he communicate that now? Like, I mean, how does he choose to communicate with you guys? Is it through like social stories and pictures? Um, I know you've labeled several things with pictures and things like that. I mean, does he have a handful of language more than that or? He does. He, he can, he can communicate, um, verbally, uh, basic needs, basic wants. Okay. Um, we really have to prompt them to communicate in full sentences. Uh, but he has phrases that, that he uses, you know, if he's hungry and I want, and we, we, and the whole advocating thing, that's, that's something we're working on here, mm-hmm. here at home. So we'll, we'll give them an option of, what for dinner, for example, we'll give them two options. Um, and we do have visuals. Um, we, he verbally, he cognitively, he, he can understand a lot. Yeah. Um, so verbally we'll, we'll verbalize it for him, but we also support it with visuals so that there's not that frustration. So that, that, that doesn't lead to physical aggression because we've noticed that with Austin, um, Austin has a few triggers and, um, some of those triggers are if he's, uh, he's a very schedule driven individual. He's also very schedule driven, uh, visuals are a huge support for him. So if you're overstimulating him with a lot of communication, verbal communication, he can become flustered and overstimulated and that can lead to physical aggression. So we try to minimize our communication with him. Um, as far as verbal communication to very simple, clean communication, not there's no open-ended questions. Mm -hmm. Sometimes there there are W questions, but for the most part, it's just, do you want this or this, you know, and we're supported, it's supported by visuals. Um, so, but he does have, uh, an AAC device that we just recently brought back. Um, we introduced an AAC device. I want to say middle school and he's a, he's a smart kiddo. He really picked up on it quickly. He's very, very technically savvy. Um, so he quickly learned that he can have the AAC device work for him. Like he, he basically was using the AAC device and not expressing verbally. So we quickly decided that that's not the route that we want to take just because he started getting lazy. Yeah. And started having, it was a great form of communication, but we weren't working on that verbal communication. It, it actually took over his verbal communication. So we quickly decided, well, this is, this is not a tool anymore. This is what, you know, if, if we continue on this route, um, he's not going to verbalize anymore. Um, he's going to let the machine do it. And so, there wasn't, there wasn't a really good balance with that. So we kind of not, we didn't follow through with that, but we're bringing it back now that he's at this non-public school. Um, and we're trying to build goals on that, but Austin can, Austin is very, uh, he's like I said, very technically savvy. Um, we FaceTime a lot. 
Um, he started, he figured out FaceTime and he was constantly FaceTiming us from school <laughs> to the point where it was like 40 times a day, you know, and it was like, okay, we need to, we need to minimize this so that maybe he can do it three times a day instead of 40. And then when we weren't answering, it would lead to physical aggression because he was getting upset and, you know, because mom and dad weren't picking up right away. And so we worked with the school team on that and they've been amazing with that. So now it's, it's a great tool. Like instead of having a yell for him, we have a two story house. And so instead of yelling for him to come down, we just FaceTime him and say, Hey buddy, it's time for school. Come he downstairs. Loves it. <laughs> yeah. And so, and he's like, okay. And he start, you know, he starts making his way downstairs. So um, the communication part of, of Austin's life, you know, it's, it, he, cognitively understands a lot it's just expressively he doesn't express as much he's his secondary diagnosis is apraxia yeah we, we're we're working with and that's very common with kids mm-hmm. on the spectrum, so but well, yeah one of the things you told me about when I was out visiting you is um in his house so you guys have a house for him he's not gonna have any roommates right for a while because it's just better to keep him with his caregivers and not have to deal with other personalities and other, you know, teens his age in there. And I totally understand that you were telling me that, um, as a, as a transition, because like with anything, like you said, with the emergency placements, you also wouldn't want to go, okay, this is your new house that you're going to live in. And Matt's going to take care of you. And during the day and all that, you slowly transitioned him, you know, over there, maybe he'd shower over there one night and get used to the bathroom and get used to the kitchen and where everything was. And you labeled, I think some, boxes with the routine since he's step oriented and he likes following order of things. Um, so tell me a little bit about that. Remind me of how you did that. And so we do, like I stated before, we have, you know, he works really well with social stories and visuals. Mm-hmm. And so when we were in the process of buying his home, um, my girlfriend, uh, Tina, she's my high school girlfriend is a realtor. And, you know, we ended up shopping this kind of just happened. Like we hadn't really planned to buy a house. Yes. <laughs> you know, we were just out shopping and um, you know, we had gone through, I would say maybe five homes that we had seen. And we went with my girlfriend and, you know, we kind of told her uh, this is, these are his needs. This is mm-hmm. what we really want. And we kind of wanted to duplicate our home a little bit. Cause he's kind of familiar with our home. Like I mentioned before, he's, he's a water baby love uses the jacuzzi almost on a daily basis so we wanted to either have a home that had the space to put in a pool and a jacuzzi or one that already had a pool and jacuzzi in it Mm -hmm. um so when we were looking at home at potential homes for austin you know my girlfriend really got a good idea of what we were looking at and um so we were out in orlando we so uh, during the pandemic, California was one of those states that really shut down. I mean, yep. we shut down everything, mm-hmm. hiking trails, parks, beaches, everything was shut down. And Austin's a huge fan of Disneyland. And so um, for his 18th birthday, you know, we had always planned to take him to Disneyland to celebrate his birthday. Well, it was shut down here in California. There's no Disneyland open. And so we decided to take him out to, I'm like, well, Disney, we can't do Anaheim Disney, Disneyland. Let's take him to Disney World because Disney World's <laughs> open. Mm-hmm. So we, we flew him out to, you know, we went out there as, as, a, as a foursome, Matt included, 
and uh, went out to Disney Disney World. And it was while we were out on that trip that my, my girlfriend reached out to me and said, I think I found the perfect house for Austin. And I'm like, what? Seriously? And so she's like, it's not on the market yet, but, you know, I'm going to see it on Saturday. And so we thought, okay, well, you know, whatever. So she ended up sending us a video tour of this home picture. She took pictures. She met with the, the selling realtor and explained our situation that we were looking for our home for our son. And, you know, I thought nothing of it. I'm, we're out in, you know, in Orlando Enjoying celebrating yourself. Austin's birthday <laughs> at Disney World. I, you know, last thing I'm, I have in the back of my head is buying a home for Austin. And uh, she, the open house was on Saturday. She went out, looked at it in person and She's like, I think this would really work for Austin. I think it checks off a lot of your, your checklist. And so we blindly made an offer on it, not thinking the homes out here at the time were, you know, you were going to get into a bidding war. And yeah, I yeah. honestly, I didn't think that, you know, we said, well, we, we would make an offer. Didn't think much of it. Didn't think that, you know, we would get it. And so come to find out, small world, the selling realtor of that house happens to be a neighbor down our street. And so when our girlfriend said, oh, you know, our, you know, my clients are looking for a home for their, you know, their son who's um, impacted by autism, uh, the uh, selling agent asked who, who her clients were. And he's like, oh, yeah, I know the Avalos. Um, <laughs> small world. And so that kind of helped us get the house you know um the sellers were going to be moving out to tennessee and um they wanted to rent back until their son graduated from high school and it just kind of was meant to be you know they were going to stay in the home we made an offer um late october early november we closed escrow in mid-november and they stayed in the home till um end of May of um, last year of 2021. And so it was, the, it was the perfect setup because we figured, okay, well, they're gonna be in the home, perfect. They can take care of it while they're there. And we'll start the process of getting supported living services in place. Well, the, the goal was for Austin to be in his home summer of last year. It is now January, 2022. And we're still not even close to doing that. I mean, we're, we've been working up on it. Um, the pandemic has, I mean, has thrown a wrench into everything. Everything, you know? yeah. Everything. I mean, you know, Austin has regressed in all areas, um, you know, through this pandemic. Like, we're, we're having to rework on skills that we were working on three years ago. Um, that being said, the process of supported living services has has been slow um, just because everybody is understaffed at this point. Yeah. You know, most agencies are very, very understaffed. We're still moving forward with our plan. And again, this was when I talked to you, you know, it was kind of like, oh, you know, we have this plan that we're going to do and um, we, we're moving forward. We, we are. It's just been a really, really slow process. But the plan so, is so solid, though. I just think it's so smart to have a place for him, whether it's a home people can afford to buy, you know, for their child or it's a group home or whatever it is, that it doesn't have to be a clear cut, 
you're moving out this day, you're moving into this place this day, because the trauma involved in that, that I think I just can speak for Skylar. I just, I'm sure he doesn't want to live with us forever, but not having me here to translate for him, for example, or anything like that, the way that I give a shower to him or the way that I do things, they're not going to do it the same way. Um, it's good for him because he won't be babied as much, but it's also scary because he's never been on his own. You know, at least our, you know, neurotypical kids can kind of build up. They're ready to go to college or leave the nest at 18. And they, you know, they've been challenging their independence (laughs) since they were probably like 12. But for our kids on the spectrum, it's just not, it's, it's, it's so confusing and it's hard to understand what they understand about it because of the communication gap. So you can't explain all that with pictures, unfortunately. You can't, you can't do it with, well, you can do it with the social story and you can Mm -hmm. introduce it slowly. And that's kind of what we've been doing. And I think this is, again, a blessing in disguise because the Avalos are very, uh, we're all very scheduled driven (laughs) from Austin to Kansas, we all like our checklist. We all make a list. We all check it off, you know, and we move on. And so this has kind of forced us to slow down the process a little bit, which um, in a sense, I'm grateful for it. In a sense, I'm like, ah, we, you know, this was a goal and we haven't done it yet, but um, it's really, it really has slowed the process down to the point where when we were purchasing the home from the get-go, this is Austin's home. That's how we, you know, when we were driving, we would point to it and I would ask Austin, whose house is that? And he's like, Austin's house. So he knows it's his house. I don't know that he knows that he is going to be moving there without Without you. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. But we have been making it a point to tell him, hey, this is your home. We're furnishing it. It's it's a total man cave. I mean, you should see this place. Um, I think any male would be drawn to it, you know, because what was the formal living and dining room we've turned into a gaming room. Um, We have all kinds of stand-up arcade games and we have a multi-purpose table. It's a ping pong um, pool table. I mean, it's, it's really cool. And so we want to make it as comfortable for him and know that it's, it's going to be his, you know, we call it his forever home, but Again, we want him to let us know if he decides he does not absolutely does not want to live there. Obviously, we're not going to force that on. Him. Yeah. Um, but we are slowly doing exactly what you mentioned. We met and we don't want we're not we're not leading the the visits either. We're having him go with Matt. Mm-hmm. Um, Matt's taking him over. So every Sunday, they go to his house to pull out the trash bins for collection on Monday. Monday night, they go back and they put the trash bins in. Um, yeah. That's his home. So he's responsible for doing some of the chores at his home. Um, and that's how we're slowly building those transition steps in order for at some point make the, the leap of him, you know, moving in. Um, they go they go and visit visit his home, you know, they go and swim in his swimming pool. Um, We've had play dates with another, you know, with a a friend of his um, there so that that friend at some point can go visit. And that that's, you know, that's going to be his, his future home. So Mm -hmm. um, we, we do, we do have, you know, like I said, social stories and visuals and 
Um, the, you know, the plan has been that he and Matt are going to start spending nights in the house so that he builds up that, that, you know, that those transition steps to, as, you know, where at some point we're going to have staff be there and that'll be his, that'll be his home. You know, once, once we can get, once we can get the, the staffing in place and that's mm-hmm. kind of been our biggest struggle is, you know, we were able to buy a home. I mean, I think we're doing things a little bit backwards here, you know, like who goes and buys a house and doesn't have staff? Diablos do. Yeah, but, <laughs> you know. Yeah, that's was just the way that, it's worked out. I was going to say the opposite, though. Like, I, I think for me, it would at least give me a little bit more peace of mind. I think meeting Matt would have been the first step for me. Like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Like, we all want to have a mat in our lives to help us. And knowing that he's kind of at the helm of the future caregivers that you get, you know, cause they're all going to have to take shifts and whatever. That is my other biggest worry besides Skylar's future and where he's going to live or where he's going to be is who's going to care for him. Because we all know that the caregivers in this industry are not paid very well at all. They, I mean, it's a job they can make more at Amazon or wherever, And so you have to find the people who truly love this work and just want to be, you know, the caregiver and the best friend and the just around our kids, our young adults for a long time, and that they have a vested interest in the caregiving that goes on with our kids. Because, I mean, if I bought a house for Skylar or whatever, I, I couldn't be able to staff it either. And I wouldn't trust anybody to help me when I'm not here. So at least you guys have that in Matt. So does it help a little bit? Maybe it's not going as fast as you want it to, but um, to have Matt kind of as your, as your, you know, support, I guess, for, for Austin too. But he's been Austin's biggest advocate really yeah. because, you know, again, you know, I, my future, I, it would have been the three of us living happily mm-hmm. ever after until something happened to one of us. And then we would be in that emergency situation where one of us is ill or one of us has died or, you know, worst case scenario, you know? And so right. um, I really do have to thank Matt for putting that bug in our ear because that really has, it, it really, it started the process of moving forward with Austin's living situation, you know, and, um, and we actually offered the position of, you know, house manager um, mm-hmm. to Matt and Matt had opted, has opted not to take that position. He wants to be Austin's behavioralist, but he doesn't want to live with Austin. And I'm like, you know, I get it. Yeah, <laughs> I get it. It's, it's a huge responsibility, but at the same time too, you know, we, we have to think of the future and the future Again, we're not going to be around forever. I know. And I am very, I'm very detail oriented and I want things done a particular way. And mm-hmm. to, you know, it gets down to even folding laundry. You know, this is the <laughs> way you, you fold the laundry. And this, this is why you and I are it. already friends because we're exactly the same. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, I really, it's really been a challenge. Lori, I, I can't even tell you the, the challenge it's been to kind of just, step back a little bit and like take have Matt kind of take the reins a little bit like you know even when we were traveling early on pre-pandemic um we we have been lucky enough to go on some amazing trips without Austin 
Um, and where I had to just let everything go and say, you know what, either I go and I enjoy this trip or I start thinking of everything that could go wrong and can or won't. And, you know, it's, it's a matter of, it's, you know, it, it's, it's a, it's a hard place to be because you want to do self-care and be able to enjoy your, your life, you know, and not be a caregiver 24 seven, because honestly, I mean, parenting is one thing, but being a caregiver is another. Mm-hmm. And when it, when the roles are one in the same, I think, you know, we, we kind of lose uh, a little bit of your, your self-identity, your, mm-hmm. you know, um, who you are as a person. And, you know, I, I didn't take care of myself for a long time. Uh, Austin was my number one priority. He was my job. I left the workforce to have a family and, and I took my job seriously. I mean, I was, you know, I was his mom. I was nurse. I was chauffeur. I, you know, you know how that goes. Yep. And I, I let myself go in the process. And, and it wasn't until maybe five years ago, five, six years ago that I said, you know what, that I, that I can't do this anymore. I, mm-hmm. I, this, this can't be, this can't be it. And so it, it's taken a lot of personal growth to actually be able to step back a little bit and say, you know what, when I'm dead, it doesn't matter how the laundry gets folded. I mean, it really, <laughs> you're right. It doesn't, right. Yeah. I mean, who cares that? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of been, it's been a huge challenge for me to kind of just step away because this was my full-time job. You know, this, this was, I left the workforce to do this and for somebody to come in and do it differently. Uh, it, it was, it, it's been an adjustment. To yeah. Say the least. Well, I think that's and why these, these conversations are so important for um, any of the parents listening that have younger kids, because when you and I had our sons and when they were diagnosed in the early two thousands and stuff, I mean, there was so much unknown. There was nobody to go to, to ask questions or help. And parents, I know they were out there that had 30 year olds at that point when Skylar was diagnosed as a little one but I had no way of connecting with them or contacting them. I wish someone would have told me, you know, kept telling me, cause I wouldn't have listened early on, but just repeated to me over and over, like take time for yourself. You cannot eat, sleep and breathe autism and caretaking, whatever. Of course, you're going to be the best parent possible and do everything your child needs. Who wouldn't for any child, but it can't become your entire identity. And then it's the same thing with us being in this place. Skylar will be 19 in April. And I, I know that I can't plan everything. I cannot project exactly how it's going to go in the future, where he's going to be and plan it all out to a T, but I can do the best I can. And even though he's 19, he's not 22 yet. I need to start looking at facilities, at places, states to move to. I mean, I've already told you California is on the list and just trying to find the states that have the best resources for him as an adult, because if he is well cared for and has some independence and has a life of his own, kind of like Matt told you about, you know, Austin, then I think my husband and I can have a much more relaxed later life, you know, elder years, retirement years, whatever you want to call them, knowing that Skylar is living his best life and we're able to live ours. I don't think that we should be caregivers 24 seven until we exhaust ourselves to an early death, because that's no good for Skylar or Austin either if we're not here. So I'd rather just start 
making plans now and I agree, I agree with you. You know, like I like I stated earlier, we're we're aging, unfortunately and sadly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know, I'm I'm in my early fifties, and I don't feel it, and I don't act it, but I am. Let's be realistic, I am. <laughs> and so, um, you know, it it wasn't until I started talking to uh, a group of friends this past week where we're like, holy crap, you know, we we're in our mid fifties. My friend was is in his mid fifties, and I'm in my you know early fifties, and you know he's thinking like he's like he's still forty, and I'm like, dude, no, <laughs> you're you're a little bit older than I am. <laughs> Let's mm-hmm. get real here, you know. And so I, you know, it's it's as on maybe it's not the the thing that you want to to think about, but mm-hmm. we're planners. I've always been a planner. My husband's a planner. Austin schedule driven. So, you know, you, you do have to think, you know, in the future, what is this going to look, look mm-hmm. like? And, you know, I honestly was cocooned for, for the longest time and just assumed that, you know, the three of us would live happily ever after, but realistically, what is that going to look like when we're aging and our kiddo who outweighs us and is taller than us? Yeah. And if, we can't teach him some coping mechanisms for, for his aggression. Um, what is that going to look like for us physically? You know, um, I can't do, you know, some of the things that we're currently doing now as a uh, young fifties, uh, I can't be doing when I'm, you know, late sixties, seventies, eighties, there's just no way physically. Well, you're, you're a tiny little woman too. So it's like, thank you, you know, for he saying tow- that. <laughs> you are. he towers over you. I mean, you and I are close to the same height and size and we're just little five foot people. So it's like, you know, it's a lot, not even just the physicality of it, but just mentally, it's just, it's, it's tiring. I mean, and I, and I'm not complaining. I'm not trying to sound like, you know, God, woe is us and whatever, but you know, you do you, it never ends. I mean, for us, it's even more severe on the every single thing Skyler needs help with even toileting and stuff. And I haven't ever stopped changing pull-ups. I'm still doing it. And we're almost 19 years in stuff like that just takes a toll. I mean, on you. And that's the challenge. I feel like with the planning comes in because even with Austin's behaviors and things, there are a lot of day programs and facilities and stuff that will not take our kids. If they have any bit of aggression or if like Skylar, they're not toilet trained or other things. And so my list becomes, you know, there might be five facilities. It drops down to like one that I have as an option. That can't be my only option. I've got to figure out something else. So, you know, in the meantime, I'm trying to get him to a more independent stage, you know, on my own, but I don't know that we'll get there. And so we're looking at, we're looking at, we're looking at one particular adult day program that caters to individuals with behaviors. Mm-hmm. And in order to get accepted into that program, you have to be denied by two other programs. <laughs> so seriously, so that's a, knowing you, we have, we already know this. We know that we, in order for him to be in this program, which I think is, is a, a good program for him. He's got to be denied at two other, two other programs. Isn't that the most ridiculous? So do they take the, the quote, worst of the worst (laughs) only? Yeah, they take individuals with, with severe, with severe behavioral issues. And it's like, well, okay, um, we'll have to apply to two programs that we know he won't be a good fit for so that we can go to this other program. 
but just getting but the denial makes you hurt. That's, that's it's, so it's unfortunate. Yeah, we we have. Yeah. So, the you know, there are some day programs out here in California that I I at least one that we know that would be appropriate for Austin mm-hmm. one in our in our area, you know, but other than that, I mean, we are we're very limited. So again, this is something we will have to think about when he ages out. And we've already talked about it. We had an IEP meeting last month, last month, last week. um, And we were already talking about day programs for him um, and what's that going to look like and how we're going to transition him into that program. And fortunately enough, the day program that we're looking at falls under the umbrella of where he's at at the non-public schooling. It's part of their organization. So um, so we know what we have to do in order to get them into that program. But mm-hmm. if we weren't there, we wouldn't know. You know, or Matt, Matt is the one who actually advocated for him to go to go into this program. He's like, I I know a good program. Yeah, you know, he used to so backtracking it a little bit, Matt used to work at the non-public school that our son goes to now. Mm-hmm. So he, you know, he's very well versed in, you know, where Austin would be a good candidate at what program. And so, again, we're very blessed to have him on our team. Uh, otherwise, you know, it, we would not know what to do. Yeah, it's know? hard to find the resources and things. So as far as the IEPs um, in Austin situation with 19 year olds, since Skyler's in a strict ABA program all day, every day, um, we don't really have IEP meetings. I probably have, I'll, the last time I had one was when he was seven and he was in public school. So um, some of that stuff is a little lost on me, but when they're, you know, 19, 20, close to, you know, transitioning out of schooling, uh, traditional schooling, do you request those meetings or is that still a pretty regular occurrence every semester, once a year? H- how does that work when our kids are older? So Melinda, Melinda was making fun of me the other, the other week. <laughs> I'll have to get on her about that. <laughs> because, well, she, she knows how many IEP meetings I, I have to attend because it's either we call them, the school calls them, the district calls them. Um, whenever we have a bump in our program, whether it be on the bus, we're having transportation issues for a while. So we called an IEP meeting for transportation to be involved in. Okay. Um, technically, it, they're annual. Uh, it's an annual IEP. Um, we, I'm the queen IEP meetings, apparently. So well, I love we, that. I didn't know you well, could do that. If you have a problem, then you have a meeting. You should address you it right away. You do. I mean, technically, technically, the school district has 30 days to come back to you and say, you know, okay, let's, you know, schedule a meeting. Um, we do have an advocate that works with us, an educational advocate, and, um, we, we usually don't have to wait the 30 days. Um, we get a meeting scheduled on the books pretty quickly, um, provided that everybody's available for the meeting. Um, but this meeting that I was just in, we, we had a, it was Austin's annual IEP meeting. Um, and then we had a continuation IEP meeting because nothing, not everything got covered at the first meeting. We're going to have yet another meeting. We have a third <laughs> IEP meeting because we're looking at our BIP um, and BIP is a behavioral intervention plan. And we're working, um, we're looking at his accommodations 
and we're looking at um, his trans bus transportation plan. We have, there's actually, we have three different, well, we have two different plans. We have a, a BIP, which I, are you familiar with the BIP? I mean, just behavioral intervention is what we call it, but, but yeah. Yeah, it's a behavioral intervention plan and Austin's is, is um, pretty detailed um, because of his aggressive behaviors. Uh, so we want to make sure that we're all on the same page. And fortunately for us with Matt, uh, we will give our feedback to the school district and it pretty much is, you know, his, his BIP, we have an in-home BIP and we have an IEP, you know, a school BIP. And I mean, they're, they're the same, basically. They the should same be. We're, it's, you know, mm -hmm. what we, yeah, it should be. And, you know, a lot of the times they're not, but for us, because the behaviors are so intense and so aggressive, um, we have to all be on the same page. And so everything is done, you know, in all environments, it's the, it's the same. And so, but we were having issues with transportation for a while too, where Austin was unbuckling out of his seatbelt and aggressing towards his aide and the bus driver, which made it an unsafe situation. So we called an IEP meeting for that. And so we got the director of transportation involved and we came up with a solution. And so all is good, all is good now. But yeah, I we call if needed, we call an IEP meeting when needed and get stuff resolved. Otherwise it becomes an unsafe situation. So well, I would we think they'd that. be happy that of parents like you who are super reactive and involved. Like the minute something's you're like, we got to fix this and let's all come up with a plan instead of going, well, he must've just had a bad day. It's not that big deal. He, he won't do it again. You know what I mean? It's just because sometimes it's a lot of work to have those meetings and to do all this stuff. Um, but I love that you guys are so proactive. We're, we're very that. proactive. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they, I don't think they enjoy being in a meeting with the Avalos because it, it, we are very deep. Like I said, we're very, I'm very detail oriented. Yeah. So I'm, I'm all about details. Ken is a very big picture. So, you know, he looks at the whole IAP and, and then mix. our, yeah, it's a, it's, we're a good team, you know, mm -hmm. when it comes to that. And our advocate is very detail oriented and he's a, he's a bulldog too. So things do get, get accomplished and get done, you know, yeah. but you know, it's a, it takes a team, you know, and yeah. I'm, you know that, you know, I don't think you, I don't think you can say you've made it as a, as an autism advocate mom, unless your name is at the top in bold on a file somewhere. They're like, don't call her until you absolutely have to. <laughs> Cause yeah, she's no. a bully. Yeah. <laughs> well, and not a, and it's, it's not a being a bully, but they know, you know, it's, you, you want to advocate for your son to absolutely, you know, I know my name's on files everywhere. Because yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't care. I would rather they go, oh no, you know, like she's gonna, but that kid is my life. I'm gonna do whatever I can. And exactly. I don't want him to hurt anyone. You know, he's done the same thing driving with our therapists and stuff. He's pulled their hair and they've had to pull over. And I mean, I am beside myself. I'm in tears. I feel so bad. I don't, I don't know what to do to hug them and help them. And, but you know, and they're like, it's okay. It's okay. It happens. I'm like, no, it's not supposed to happen. My kid's not supposed to be the one that's causing you to get in a car accident. And it just makes me, oh, it just makes me so upset because See, I just want to fix it. Yeah. You and I it. are on the same page as that, you know, yeah. on that because we just, we had an incident not too long ago where that, where exactly that scenario happened. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he got out of the, at the time he was being transported in a 12 passenger van 
Um, and we used to call it, you know, Austin's Uber because he was the only one in it, him, his aide and the driver. And, um, you know, it came to the point where he actually lashed out at the driver and the driver, it was a female driver at the time, nicest lady in the world. Mm. And, you know, that incident happened and I literally sat there and I cried. I mean, I just, I was beside myself and I, you know, he, and they know it's not your fault. It's not your parenting. You know, it's nothing that you, you did, yeah. but you feel bad you do. And so, you know, I, I ended up not only apologizing profusely, but I ended up bawling, you know, mm-hmm. you know, right then and there. And she is the, the nicest, like I said, the nicest bus driver, I still keep in touch with her. (laughs) She still has my text number and she'll text me, you know, like she texted me for Christmas and sent Austin a gift for Christmas, you know, and it's people like that, that you, you, you want on your team and you want on your side, Mm -hmm. but when there's a problem, when a problem arises, you want to address it immediately. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm not a slacker when it comes to addressing something, you know, on Austin's um, IEP or Austin, you know, if there's something going on with Austin, we are immediately proactive on it. You know, mm-hmm. we try to, to correct whatever the situation is and move forward because that's all you can do. Yeah. Well, and I, I mean, I've seen so much of your social media and so many things with Austin and I know you said he loves water and I know he loves traveling with you guys and you guys take amazing adventures. What are the things besides that, that really makes him smile and makes him happy? And, you know, it just brings a smile to your face because he's just, he's so excited about it. He loves Disneyland. Really? Absolutely. Is there a character specifically that he loves or? The park. He loves going to the park. Oh Mm. yeah. I mean, he loves the movies, loves all the movies, the soundtracks, anything Pixar and Disneyland and Disney is all, he's all over it. That's cool. But. I mean, what parents would take their kid all the way to Orlando to celebrate their 18th birthday there, you know, at Disney World? He I loves it. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, we, we've gotten to the point where it's like, oh, Disneyland, you know? At least I have. I'm like, yeah. okay, you know. But and my husband absolutely loves Disney, loves taking them there. And I think it's the pure joy that we see. Um, when Austin's happy, we're happy. And mm-hmm. I mean, of course, you know, you know that when Skylar's happy, that just makes you happy. As long as they're content and happy, that's all we can ask for. But yeah, Disney, Disney is, he just loves it. And it's such a motivator for him. You know, it's like, if he knows he's going to Disney, he works that much harder. I think our kids are the hardest working kids. Oh yeah. You know, they have a full-time job all the time. They're constantly, when they were younger, constantly in therapy all the time. Not only were they going to school, I mean, we had after school therapies almost every single day. If it was an ABA, music therapy, vision therapy, you name the therapy, we probably have done it. You yep. know, speech, OT, we've done everything privately through the school district, you name it. And so, I mean, these are hardworking kids, you know, and I feel like if we can, we, we can make their, their life that much, you know, easier and bring a little joy to them, mm-hmm. it, you do it. And whatever mm-hmm. that is, you do it. And so, uh, Disneyland for him being in the water, hiking, Disneyland, Pixar, those are, (laughs) those are his loves. They really are. I mean, he's a big kid. So we try to have him be physically active as much Mm -hmm. as possible, but there's still that part of that 
neurotypical teenager in him where he just wants to game and do nothing and lay in his bed, you know, and hang out in his room. So you, you have, you have a little bit of both with, with Austin, but yeah, Disneyland just <laughs> loves it. Absolutely loves it. And unfortunately, because Disneyland was closed for so long and this pandemic really, really did a number for our family. I mean, we were working on, skills that we were working on three years ago. I mean, he's, and I don't know about, you know, how, how it's affected Skylar, but for Austin, it really has regressed in all areas and stuff that we used to do pre-pandemic, like going to the movies, going to restaurants, going even on a hiking trail. We now have to rebuild those skills because socially he is not doing well. Mm-hmm. He can't, he's not tolerating little children. Little children are so unpredictable to him that it makes his anxiety go through the roof. And he wants to lash out aggressively towards us, towards children. So um, just those little things that we were able to do pre-pandemic mm-hmm. that brought so much joy to everybody, not only to Austin, but to us, um, we can't do at this point. Um, we're having to rebuild those skills. So Last time we were at Disney World was spring break last year. That's, I, and Disneyland has been open here in California for some time now, but we just haven't been able just to take nervous. them. Yeah. Yeah. Just because socially um, Austin's not in a good place right now. Yeah. So we're having to rebuild those skills and it's, well, it's a slow he'll build them back better than before, you know? Hopefully. Yeah. Knock yeah. on wood. From, from your mouth to God's ear, <laughs> I hope, you know, seriously, because it's just little things like that, that you think, you know, um, our world just got smaller and smaller and smaller mm-hmm. during the pandemic, just because everything was shut down for so long here in our, in our state that when it started opening and it opened up and then shut down again. Yeah. So yeah, you guys have was, had, oh yeah, it was back crazy. and forth, back and forth, but we yeah, did. I mean, those are the things you don't realize. I mean, I, I guess for me being this deep into autism, I didn't think I had things to take for granted, but I do <laughs> like it, it, if nothing else, it just made me appreciate like, oh my gosh, what if he didn't have a school to go to or a facility ever? Like if I had to homeschool him permanently or other things, I mean, like you said, restaurants, places that he loves to go. If I couldn't take him there, geez, I mean, I've just really appreciated the very little things that give us some joy in this house instead of it always being stressful. So, Oh yeah. Or some harmony, you know, or Mm -hmm. purpose, a purpose, Mm -hmm. just because, you know, now that he's at this non-public school, we, we transitioned him at this non-public during kind of the latter part of the pandemic because he was just not doing well at his other placement. You know, we went from being in, in a non-public school alternative program at a, other high school that we brought him back to an adult transition program within our district. And, you know, we were assured, we were very transparent from the get-go saying, these are his needs, this is what we need to do. We were assured it would work out. It would be all fine. It was for the first few months. And then it took a total nosedive that it was again, a mutual decision to find a different placement for him. And Mm -hmm. he's where he needs to be right now. Um, And I think, you know, he's got, he'll end up aging out at 22 from, from this non-public school, but this non-public school hardly takes breaks. You know, they take, um, 
they, we took, we were only supposed to take one week during Christmas break, uh, but it ended up being two because uh, the surge in COVID cases here in our area that um, everybody was getting sick and uh, staff, they were understaffed at school mm-hmm. because people were calling out. And so we ended up taking a two week break where it should have been just one week, but like even for spring break, they don't get a spring break. Yeah, Skyler doesn't either. I kind of yeah, like it. We go all year. We go summers, we go all year long. It's so helpful for us because we're very scheduled. So exactly. he always knows he's going and it gives but, us a chance to do things with our daughter and other stuff while he's at school, you know, that we don't normally get a break. So this is new. This is going to be new to us because we actually would have a few weeks in the summer with him. Like our old school district, we got a three week, uh, three week winter break from school. And so we had him for three weeks where this time around, it was only supposed to be one week, but it went to two Mm -hmm. weeks. Um, he won't have a spring break. We're, we're used to having him for spring break. So it, yeah, this is, this, this is not a bad thing, you know, <laughs> it, it keeps him on schedule, which is good yeah. because that's what he needs right now. He's very schedule driven. And so, mm-hmm. and he's, he loves going to school, which is a, a huge plus and it works yeah. out for us and it gives him a purpose. It actually gives all of us a purpose. You know, yep. we're all, we're all on a schedule. So it really ha- helps to keep that, that balance and harmony here in our home. Mm-hmm. Well, I so appreciate you sharing all of your years of knowledge and your experiences um, with Austin, with all of us. And, um, you know, I, I definitely am going to, of course, keep up with you and everything with um, his transition and how all of that goes. But I just really appreciate you giving the idea to me and to hopefully the listeners just about thinking about the future differently, because I think we all at some point are guilty of thinking, this is just, and maybe saying it that way. And I always like catch myself if I say that um, about Skylar, like, well, he's going to be with me the rest of my life and whatever. Not that that's a bad thing, but I mean, because of you, I've had those conversations with my husband about, you know, let's, let's think about retirement differently. It's not a like, well, this is the end, you know, we, we don't get to do anything we want to do. Um, I, I'm glad that Matt brought that up, that Skylar doesn't want to live with us forever. Probably, you know, he wants a life of his own and, and hopefully with us and spelling with Skylar right now, hopefully he'll be able to tell us, you know, kind of like Austin did with you guys a while back. Like, I don't want to do homeschool. I miss my friends. I hope Skylar can say, I want an apartment. (laughs) Like I want to move out of this place. I'm tired of you people. (laughs) Well, seriously. I mean, I think, you know, uh, looking into the future, it, it's going to be so nice to be a visiting parent and not mm-hmm. be a full-time caregiver. Yeah. You know, that's not, I mean, I, like you stated, you know, I just kind of assumed that's what it was. Good, that was going to be my life, but you know, it's, it, it'll be nice to kind of step back and, you know, live those retirement years. Like most, most people do in their, you know, in their retirement years, you know, enjoy traveling Mm-hmm. enjoy visiting and not be a caregiver full-time. I don't you know? think it has to have a negative connotation at all. I think it can be a super positive next, next stage of life for, for our children, our young adults and us. So, I mean, we don't always have to look at it as the only alternative is live with us or put in assisted living. Those aren't the only options. There's tons of things you can do depending on the level of, you know, communication and ability that your child has. Um, there's a lot of options. We just have Absolutely. to 
it just, it's parents like you and Melinda and so many others that I've met along the way, you guys are doing it. Like you're coming up with the idea. If there isn't a place, if there's not an adult, you know, program, daycare program, let's come up with one. Let's figure something out and develop it ourselves because <laughs> we're the most resourceful is the parents, you know? Well, so. and I just figured, you know, at least just to give you a little snippet, group homes here, there's a huge wait list. Oh, and especially for especially for our population, our you know our kiddos mm-hmm. who require that much more care. Yeah, um, it's limited. To be honest with you, it's expensive. And, you know, and I'm not even thinking about the expense so much as as much as the environment. I mm-hmm. you know we have the option to provide a healthy, clean, sanitary, comfortable environment for our son. You know, and I want to do that. I don't mm-hmm. want to stick him into a, a, a state institution or, you know, a group home where he's not a good fit. And, mm-hmm. you know, that being said, I'm a, that's that's kind of how we kind of ended up on the path that we're on. Mm-hmm. I, I honestly did not want him. I didn't want him to be. We didn't want to be put in an emergency situation, mm-hmm. when, you know, whether we're dead or we're sick or you know, he's, his aggressions have gotten so severe that it's an unsafe environment. And we also didn't want him, you know, and I'm not, and please, I, I hope, you know, nobody takes offense to this, but I just don't think a group home right now is a good fit for him Mm-mm. right now. Well, Skylar, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, if, you know, and, and if it is in the future, then, you know, we'll look at that option, but I just figured, you know, as his parents, we, we have, we do have some options and, mm-hmm. This is kind of the path that we want to go. So I'd like to touch base with you sometime in the future to see, you know, where where Mm -hmm. our path has taken us because, you know, as much planning as one does, we always get, you know, a wrench thrown in, you know, and that's kind of where we're at right now. Mm -hmm. You know, we do have the, we, we have his home and we're just, we're just trying to find the right agency and the right staffing for him and how that, how that progresses. I will keep you posted. Mm-hmm. I think people find you and it's all meant to be the timing, the everything, just like with the home, you know, you were meant to find that home, but you're not meant to have him move in it. You just, yet. he's only 19. You've got time and Matt, you, you've got him now. <laughs> so, you know, I just, I, I'm a big believer in the staff and the caregivers meshing well with my child and absolutely until I can feel comfortable about that you know we won't even do respite until I can find somebody that I can trust oh absolutely to leave him with you know it's it's my baby he'll always be my baby yep he's always (laughs) going to be your child and I just want my child to be taken care of Mm -hmm. yep absolutely oh goodness well I appreciate you so much and I can't wait to come back out and visit you guys again. Okay. Yes, we have to schedule. We have to get it on the calendar. We. Have, I know we do. Yeah, oh, the moms in the wild. Yeah. No, we'll have to. We'll have to plan a trip somewhere, even if yes. it's. It, it's going to be a trip for you, even if it's not for us. But you're you're going to come out. We're going to take you. Can come out to California and visit some more. I know. I loved it. Oh gosh. Well, take care and definitely keep me posted on everything. Will do, Lori. Thank you for having me on today. Absolutely. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Living the Sky Life and we'll tune in for the next episode coming soon. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the Living the Sky Life podcast 
within Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play, so you'll receive alerts when new episodes are released. Subscribing is the best way to ensure you don't miss a single episode. If you like what you hear, be sure to select the five-star rating, provide feedback, and share Living the Skylife with others. Thanks again for listening.